Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Season 32, Episode 4. My name is Kimmy. My name's Kurt. And I'm Inky. <laughs> In today's episode, <laughs> Ayana from Illinois asks about fonts designed for dyslexia. Ken from Canada thinks players sometimes deserve some punishment. And Matt shares a gaming horror story. If you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Please send some emails, please. <laughs> and that is a very old joke. Yeah. But why don't we, before, so yeah, before we go on, who are you, and what are you doing in my studio? Me? Both of you. It's been a while. You, you go both, first. You both are I mean, of the past. I was going to say, it's true. like, I, legacy. Yeah, we're legacy Happy Jackers. Yeah. We, I have not, I will admit, I have not been on the show in quite some time. That's I, right. We I, jacked I, off a long time ago, uh, and it's been like a while. Yeah. Uh, not together, but in fact, we've never been in the same room. Not that you knew. We've never been in the same room together. <laughs> We've always been outdoors. Right, exactly. Always yes. been outdoors. As long as it's happy, it's fine jacking. It's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But uh, hi, uh, my name is Kurt Hanna. I am a, a longtime contributor, and but although on hiatus to Happy Jacks and to the point where maybe people didn't want me to be so much of a contributor and I left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. And you also run talking a bunch about of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you run a bunch of APs for us and stuff too. I have run a couple of APs. I ran a the heist one shot, and I ran the yeah. Hollowed Plains mini campaign, mm -hmm. and played in the, the Spaniards Ghost yeah. AP mm. back in the day. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Yay. Good to be back. Yeah, in our new digs. Yes, I have been Very here before. Fancy. I love it. In a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love what you've done. Them. Thank so. you. And I'm John Engie. Yeah, ran fair person, game master since I was like ten. Yeah, former boggard. Former boggard. Yes. You're um, still a bogger, dude. That shit don't scrub off. That uh, is true. Yeah. <laughs> I still have the stank. We, we have like the three major reef fans. Well, three of the major reef fans yeah. represented yeah. here between the yeah. wives and the boggards and sport of tricks. Yeah. So yeah. exciting. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm playing on Pinnacles yeah. game on Sundays. That's right. A mm -hmm. Wild Talents AP that Jason just started. Is yeah. That's just, the one. Yeah. yeah. I just I just got the first episode. Yeah. Got one episode. I did. I played basically William Shatner for another Dave. Oh, yeah, with uh, Dave Kazay, like forever yes. ago. Was that? Yeah, that was his convention. Like, it wasn't at a con. It was a one shot that we streamed about like this. It was basically like Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it was basically Galaxy Quest. We were Quest. all actors, and yeah, and we were, it was very fun. I still have my notes that were all, <laughs> it's all 70s star references. That's yeah, it was Spirit of 77. Nice. Yeah. So it was all like stars. So I could say, you know, when I was at Phyllis Diller's house, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then I would just go, just, use Phyllis me, Diller. Excuse me, you, you dropped this name. Yeah, yeah, yeah that <laughs> exactly. Was, that was a lot of fun. That was very fun. Which, yeah. Interestingly enough, not the last time I played basically Shatner. I had I somebody come up to me and go like, I want to have like a William Shatner character in this game. Will you play it? And I'm like, this is the... Apparently, the role I was born to yeah, play. Yeah, you do, you do it well. It's very good. Uh, 
So anyway, thank you both for and welcome back. Thank you. Woo. So yeah. It has been a while since I've been here. You put in a commode since I was I did, here. yeah. <laughs> it's very exciting. It's, and most of all very handy. Yeah, most of all it's accessible. <laughs> yes. yes. So we do have some people who are wheelchair users who are hoping to become in and be on shows eventually. And that would be a necessity, obviously. Yes. Yes. So, so yes. good on you. Yeah, it's exciting. All right. Other announcements. It has been a year since I took over Happy Jacks completely. Woo! And we moved into the aforementioned set digs. And a lot has changed since then. And we want to know what you think. So if you have not done it already, please go and take our survey. Please go. Yes. If you like to take a survey. Yeah. And you can go to happyjacks.org slash survey. And it only takes a few minutes. And it really, really help us improve our product. It'll help us improve both the advice show and the APs. And you, if you don't listen to the APs, that's fine too. You can mark, I don't listen to that. There's an option there for that. So just let us know what you think so we can continue to make the show better for you. And yeah. yeah. All right. Indie Designer of the Month. It is a new month. It is May. It is oh, no, it's June. June. Oh, Pride month. It is, nice glasses. Month. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I remembered enough to wear my Pride glasses and just forgot the name of the month. I really need school to be over. I need school to be over. (laughs) I want school to be over for you. She loves the kids dearly, but she needs a break. It's three days. Three days, friends. Three days. And yes, so June. It is the month of June. So Jessica Markram is our Indie Designer of the Month this month. You can find her at Miss underscore Jess 03 on Twitter or Angry Nerd Girl on Twitch. She's a bisexual neurodivergent designer who I've actually been a huge fan of for quite some time. So when I did like the sly Twitter approach like, hi, <laughs> hello, I like your stuff. I have a podcast. Would you like to be in my podcast? It was almost, it was just, Fangirl. it was slightly cooler than that. Like, luckily I didn't act, I, it was like in text form. So like the high pitched nervous voice wasn't there. It, it was just, across. yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she was why, super- why am I reading this in this high pitched <laughs> whiny voice? It's so weird. Yeah. Who is this? Otaku? I don't know how they did it. Yeah. <laughs> So, but she was super cool and chill, and I was excited that she was like, absolutely, that sounds great. Um, and she'll actually be joining us next week on the show. So Ooh, you can exciting. find her games. She writes for a lot of different things, but you can find her games at angrynerdgirl.itch.io. And the game we're going to focus on this week is called Oops, All Draculas. <laughs> Which, first off, I just want to say how much I love referring to vampires as Draculas. It's one of my favorite things. Well, this is very specifically designed to be, you are multiple, each player plays a trope of Draculas. Oh, love it. So it's very good. There's a new Dracula trope now. Yes. Because you could be the Christopher Lee Dracula, you could be the Bela Lugosi Dracula. You could be the Leslie Nielsen Dracula, mm-hmm. but now you can also be the Nick Cage Jesus, Dracula, amazing. which amazingly is more over the top than Leslie Nielsen. You wouldn't think so. But. No, I know. I, no, I would totally <laughs> expect that. No, that's perfect. All right. So in the game, you've always wondered what was just beyond the doors of that spooky old house at the end of the block. Turns out it's full of Draculas. Now those Draculas are you. (laughs) Oops, All Draculas is a buddy system game. That's the system she developed and uses that uses either Terra or Dracula by Bram Stoker and can be played with or without a GM. It uses six-sided dice pool. You can use your favorite Dracula book if you don't want to use Bram Stoker's Dracula because you live your best Dracula life in this game. And (laughs) it can (laughs) be... And in it, you play various styles of Dracula, all living together in a home that you design. Oh, wow. uh, whether it is from internal or external forces, shenanigans ensue. Oh. Be they Dracula hunters, new Draculas in town, werewolves, or the Home Ownership Association. 
A Dracula's oh life is never easy. Oh no. So, and once again, you can get that oh. at her itch angrynerdgirl.itch.io. And so each week we will be focusing on a new game of chesses, and they're amazing. Um, yes, yeah, I would we'll... like to know why my hot water is not working. <laughs> why must my grass be mowed to only this height? I don't understand. I can't, I don't do Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I cannot run to be on the HOA board. Yes. Why do you only have the meetings at noon? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and just a, a reminder, our Indie Designer of the Month, we send them a very reasonable fee. They send us copies of their game that we give to our Patreons for no cost to our Patreons just to thank them for su- their support. And they also get a interview with the Indie Designer that is only for them. So thank you so much to our amazing Patreons. And thank you, Jess, for being our Indie Designer of the Month of June. June! Because it's June. Yes. It's June now. It's in fact yes. June. Yes. And... This right. is not pre-recorded. <laughs> We're just talking... How long is your check, you worried? <laughs> Sorry, I can't tell you I'm on strike. <laughs> you and everybody else we know. Okay. That's right. Except me, I'm not on strike. I'm not I have on three more days. Okay. <laughs> then you get to go on strike. Then I get to, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Mailbag number one. I've been talking a lot. It should be someone else. All right. I've got this. Why'd you take off your glasses to read? Because <laughs> I'm farsighted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good um, that's how my eyes work. Just a quick question. Have any of you ever heard of a font made to help those who suffer from dyslexia? Or have you seen any game supplements using such a font? If not, meet Open Dyslexic. For what it looks like, go to their website, opendyslexic.org. It takes a bit of getting used to as it has weighted letters to help reduce possible confusion from similarly shaped letters like B and D or P and Q. Open Dyslexic is an open source font that is free to download and use in applicable programs. My husband has dyslexia and greatly appreciates the inclusion of the font in on his Kindle Paperwhite, but I've never seen any PDF or physical game published in it. I've also noticed sometimes the crew have slight issues with reading and having emails printed out in this font might help underlying issues that may or may not be a thing. Incidentally, dyslexic and ADD. <laughs> uh, blind. Yeah. <laughs> just not, slightly. Yes. But that could be, <laughs> that could just be the beer or nerves. I thought that raising awareness of this font could help those who suffer from dyslexia and perhaps avoid more wordy TTRPGs because of how difficult it is for them to get through the text or the embarrassment of reading aloud imperfectly during the game. Discuss and have a drink. Ayana from Illinois. Huzzah! Drink. Oh, drink. I, I have to open the new mm. one. <laughs> I will say typography is a uh, one of those strange hobbies of mine, and I have heard of various different dyslexic-friendly fonts. Yeah. The, the one that amuses me the most is the fact that it was designed as a dyslexic-friendly font, mm-hmm. and it gets... So much hate because the font I'm talking about is Comic Sans. Yes. It was designed as a dyslexic friendly font. Uh And there have been various others. And honestly, as someone who is not dyslexic, I find them harder to read. (laughs) (laughs) I found looking at because they're weighted heavily on the bottom that so when I read a sentence, Mm -hmm. my brain goes first word, last word, and works its way in sometimes. Like it's often that's very common popping around mm-hmm. yeah. yeah the sentence so it takes me a bit to read and i found what this font kind of did was made my eyes go shrink back to the next thing and it almost felt invasive <laughs> <laughs> well okay 
I'm going to pull out my master's degree for a minute. <laughs> Oh, uh, that thing on the wall? Yeah. Okay. I never went to college, so shows you what I think of a master's right. degree. Uh, now, being knowledgeable, <laughs> I do not have dyslexia, but I am a teacher. I have a master's degree in education. I work specifically at a school that is very high immigrant population. So in fourth grade, I'm still working very much on very basic reading skills for a lot of my students. So dyslexia is something that I have copious amounts of training in. Yeah. So. I have no doubt that this font may be very helpful to some dyslexics. There have been multiple studies on open dyslexic or on this font. There's like a couple others also. This is the one everyone uses a lot because it's free and they they made it with the best of intentions and it's amazing. They're like, everybody uses font. The problem is, is there's been, I think, two or three studies at this point studying the font and it does not actually work better for most dyslexics than a clear other type of font, like Arial or any of the others that are fairly common. If it works better for you, that's fantastic. And that's great, especially with things like a Kindle that you can switch to something that works better for you. But as far as actually publishing something that cannot change the font later, it does not actually have a measurable impact. And in fact, it does for some dyslexic, it actually is much harder to read. But that doesn't... It felt like the font was hitting me with a hammer, (laughs) like a little bit. And there are fonts that are specifically designed for that effect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- now the, the thing with dyslexia is it is incredibly common. Like <clears throat> at, we know of about 10% of people have it and it's probably higher than that. And people just don't recognize they have it because it's one of those disabilities where it's always been that way for you. Yeah. I didn't know I had it until I was in my forties. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where suddenly someone will say something and be like, well, wait, my, I do that. Mm-hmm. And when it was really like named in the 1920s, I don't remember the name of the doctor guy. But he thought it was a visual thing. Mm. And it actually, dyslexia is not actually visual, although it has visual symptoms for some dyslexics. It's actually a processing issue with the brain because lots of different parts of your brain are how you read. You have to, there's a visual component. There's a sound and remembering an auditory component because you have to put sounds with the things you're seeing. And then you have to apply meaning to it, which is in a whole nother part of the brain. There's all these parts. So it's like ping-ponging around your brain as you read. And dyslexia is actually a processing piece where looking at the shapes of the words or or of the letters doesn't click with the sounds and like, and sequences of letters don't click with the sounds and the meanings they're supposed to make the same way it does in people who don't have dyslexia. So often like letters will mirror or flip. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in movies, it shows as like number or like the, the letters like melting and moving around on the page. That's not really a super accurate, like it gets the idea across of what it is to people who don't have it, but that's not, a lot of dyslexics see everything fine. Many of them will mirror, they flip things, but it's not just a visual component. So unfortunately, that's something that because of the 1920s, like everyone assumes it's a visual thing. Yeah. Well, and also thanks to the chat and our wonderful moderator, James, Mm -hmm. It was coined by Rudolf Berlin, who coined the term dyslexia back in 1883. Ah. And he was an ophthalmologist. When all you have is a hammer, the world looks like a nail. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense that he would think that it was a visual thing because that was what he was trained to do. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's when I'm reading something and... Actually, my favorite thing about my dyslexia, because there are upsides too, because it brings me never-ending joy 
to misread these things oh, yeah. and they no, that's come out super <laughs> dirty and I have to go back. But I actually have to engage my brain through my eyes and nothing else sensory can be working at that point. point. Yeah. I can't be talking. I can't be listening. Yeah. I have to be reading and engaging my brain and go like, does that really say ain't? Oh, no, it doesn't. That's, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Anal? Why, sis? <laughs> oh, oh, analysis. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, think, I think the biggest thing is, is this has been, that font has been going around for a while. And if it was yeah. really, really helpful, it would be on everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I don't there was and there have been throughout history a bunch of scams for people trying to help dyslexia mm -hmm. there were i forget these weird looking glasses in yeah. like the 60s and 70s that mm -hmm. people like swore helped them mm -hmm. a lot of them ended up being like full on scams some of them ended up being people who were trying to help and didn't quite understand or it just and there's often a component that it causes frustration i know there was a kind of an uproar in the educational mm -hmm. yeah there's an uproar about the this font and similar fonts in the educational community because a lot of teachers switched and were using them. And then it made families and specifically students with dyslexia feel worse because using the dyslexic fonts, the, the open dyslexic font or and a bunch of the others, they thought that it would be better and they didn't see an improvement. So then they felt even worse. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't help some people. It absolutely oh, yeah. like if your anecdotal experience is that it has helped you, kudos to you. Great. Yes. Awesome. Not negating that no. at all. Yeah. Still use it. I mean, and it's great that it's on like devices Yeah. because that's some of the things that really do help the most. So from, again, a teacher standpoint, I, I pulled out my list of things. <laughs> she has notes. I have notes. So, and these are like best practices that they like teach us in teacher school, which is totally called teacher school. Call it normal <laughs> school. For some it is. It is. So, Helvetica, so good fonts to use are Helvetica, Courier, Arial. Verdana and Computer Modern. Those are all Computer yeah, Modern. Those are all good fonts to use for dyslexics that have been studied. Now, open dyslexic font is not like necessarily worse than those, but they do not there, but in multiple like scientific studies, there has not been an increase in reading speed or ability or understanding using it versus these fonts. So that's a piece. In your experience, because the fonts you just named. Mm -hmm. All but one of them are sans serif fonts. The next thing on my list. Courier is mm -hmm. Courier New or Courier is mm -hmm. a, I mean, it's the typewriter font. It's the, everybody knows it's right. the typewriter font. And that, that is a serif font. In your experience dealing with teaching dyslexics, do you find that serif or sans serif fonts tend to work better or is it a case-by-case -case basis? Next point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Way to set it up. <laughs> that was a perfect segue. You're welcome. Yeah. Sans serif. Monospaced and Roman fonts are best. Okay. Wait. Oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. 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 So, so comments of that. And yeah, serif absolutely helps because those little, like, little crook at the top of the R mm -hmm. and the, all those things absolutely help, especially with the mirroring and flipping of letters that happens for some dyslexics. And then italic really hurts and yes. the reading ability. It, that makes mm -hmm. sense. So, that definitely is hard. And having it too small. So, things you can do if you are publishing stuff. And it is not an electronic. If, first off, if you have an electronic format that you're releasing a game or a module or you're writing stuff up that you want your players to read, if you can put it in an electronic format that they can use text to speech, that's like amazing and golden. And so try and do that using larger fonts. The fonts we just mentioned or the qualities we just mentioned really, really helps. Try and do 14 and above. Like I know, yeah. yeah. Or if you put it in a digital format, the cool thing about that is they can adjust it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, they can also change the the coloring and the balance in a lot of on a lot of devices, which really helps. You know, the thing that pisses me off the most hmm. is all of these apps now. When so, like, in order to keep track of what I'm reading mm-hmm. and digitally, I will highlight like mm-hmm. three lines uh-huh. and. And then that lets me know where I am. But all these things are now like there's a little pop up that comes with that and blocks the text. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. awful. And Adobe Acrobat and stuff. And I'm yeah. like, oh, come on. It's not just Adobe. It's it's mm-hmm. standard for the PDF format now. I think you can turn that off. You though. can, but it's an extra step. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I think it used to not be. Yeah. It used to be yeah. the extra step to add that. And they was like, oh, people are doing it so much. Mm. Yeah. The other thing is, if you are designing printed material, whatever. Mm-hmm and you need to emphasize something, just use bold. Just bold the text. Don't use italics to emphasize. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Because it makes it harder to read, like you just said. Yeah. So. Well, having everything in bold doesn't No, 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 no. Have, I'm, yeah. not, yeah. I'm saying if you need to identify like one word or phrase yes. within a paragraph and like emphasize this bit, bold it, don't italicize it. Yeah. Well, and specifically breaking up the text as much as possible. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is especially true if you want them to read the backstory of your world that you've written or things like that. Like break it in and and have those headings there very clearly. Like creation of the world, you know, Uh at the beginning of time, there were the Valar, blah, blah, blah. You should see all the stuff that I write is like a bold heading and then like indented a couple of paragraphs, another bold heading. Yeah. Breaking it up as much as possible lists. Yeah. If you're doing an actual game with like layout, having boxes with stuff. And so it's not just like a column or page of text can be really helpful. And also columns are a pain in the ass usually for text to speech readers. Yes. A lot of them. So if you're going to like, I know they look nice and that's sort of a tradition in RPGs to like have column stuff. But if you can like break yourself of the expectation of that's what it should look like, because it makes it really hard on a lot of people. If you want to do columns, Mm -hmm. then you have a column of text, and your other column is sidebar. Yeah. That and it, it is highlighted in a separate little text box. And make sure that your sidebars don't go onto multiple pages. That's what pisses me off. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, again, desktop publishing, typography, it's literally in my blood. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. That's I, not good. You better see a doctor. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's. I was injected with a .05 pen. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, by typewriter, <laughs> radioactive typewriter. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's and making sure I'm going to hold off on on the whole rant that I could go on <laughs> about take the entire okay. night. <laughs> Other things, having a consistent structure. So if you have that heading information like pattern, like keep it up. Same thing if you do a layout box, like what you're just saying. If you have columns or boxes <laughs> with specific text, like make sure whatever that is consistent. So every time the person reading it sees that, they're like, oh, I know this is going to be whatever it is, like an, the most important thing off this page or a setting thing. So it just makes it easier for them to process the information. Something I just recently re was reminded of, like recently within the last week, italics was invented by a, an Italian or a, a Pisan, I believe, no, a Venetian, sorry, it was from Venice. No, they're the called Venetian. Pissants. <laughs> Thank you. No, he was from Venice, so. Venetians. Venetian, right. Mm-hmm. The Venetian publisher. Mm-hmm who, to his credit, invented the first pocket edition book. Cool. He invented okay. the, like, the pocket Tiny little book. box. Right, okay. you know, that people could carry with them. Yeah. I mean, he was doing this in the 1520s, mm. 15 teens, right? So 
just after Gutenberg had done his thing, <laughs> this guy is going to invent this. And I he know. also. I will he, do Gutenberg, but very tiny. Yes. And then he invented a way of cramming more letters into a space mm-hmm. so that he could fit more text on the page because paper was starting to get more expensive. Yeah. So, and that is what we call italics. It's called italics because it was invented by an Italian. <laughs> I've always wondered that. Yes, but that makes sense. <laughs> it was invented by a Venetian. I yes. think think his name was Vendetti or something like something like that. Mm. Vendetta. No, no. But I feel like he should have a font named after him, does he? Oh, I'm sure some called is. Vendetta Regular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and some other things that are really helpful, audiobooks or mm-hmm. audio yeah. versions of it. If you like record yourself reading it for Senior your players. <laughs> says Jason. Senior. Senior Italian. Senior Italian. But that's just like, that's yeah. not Signore. Signore yeah. Italian. If you can do video. I'll demos. just Minutius. Thank you. I was completely wrong on the. Thank you, James, for checking me. It's Aldous Minutius. Was the name of him? Was the name of the guy who, who created That sounds it. like a font. That, that Aldous Minutius sounds like a very It sounds tiny. like a very small font. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's also like, it's just the minutia of font yeah. design. Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's really getting into the weeds. I feel like if your last name is Minutius, you've got to have some sort of complex about that. Like, Well, it's mm-hmm. the Napoleon complex is what it is. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> junior high must have been terrible. A little dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Texas speech and giving people extended time. This mm-hmm. is the biggest thing is if you know you have players or people at your table who have dyslexia and you expect them to do some reading, send it to them ahead of time. If you are reading it at the table, like make sure you have something like stall don't just like have the dead silence be like, okay, why don't you guys read this? I'm going to go cook a turkey or but not That's terrible. But like, sorry, I'm really hungry. It's I like that your go-to <laughs> wasn't like grab a drink, yeah. cook a turkey. <laughs> I should have think of something. I'll be back in two and a half to four hours. <laughs> give you plenty of time. And then that goes right into extra time. Yeah. I should have think of something. I would never do, and then I, that came out of my mouth because I would never. I don't do that. So yeah, get a drink is a much better. Or hey, I'm gonna go print these other things out, or whatever it is. Like give them a reason to not feel pressured to read super fast. That's the the kindest thing you can do. And always like double the time, like whatever you think is appropriate. Like this is what we do in classrooms, or what we should do in classrooms. What, however long it takes you to do the thing, like double it for the people who are learning, or the people who are dyslexic, or whatever it is. Yeah, Jason mentioned in chat which I can't see anymore, so I can't read it verbatim, but thank you, Jason, that people said when he was a kid that he couldn't possibly be dyslexic because he always had his nose in a book. Mm -hmm. Similar story, but like they never realized that it took him twice as long to read it as everybody else. And that's been my issue too, to the point where I haven't read a book in a long time that wasn't just instructional or something because it's so difficult to read. Yeah, it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. Another thing, and... Cursive is really difficult for a lot of dyslexics to read, but actually the process of learning cursive, some dyslexics actually find it a much easier thing to read, but a lot of dyslexics find cursive easier to write. I understand that. And it actually, yeah, because of the flowing nature of it and how it's all connected. Think about how the entire word works as you're writing it out. That makes sense. Yeah. And it really cuts down on the number of like mirrored letters that they do. Mm -hmm. So a lot of dyslexics write uh, like a B or a or D and then flip it and actually doing cursive cuts down on that. And it cuts down after they've learned it, it cuts down on them doing that also in print. 
So when they print later, even if they don't generally write in cursive, there's been good studies on that that show that. So, but as the, but, says but the word minimum really sucks to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of humps. It's just it's like, which one of these is an N and which is an M and which is an I and which is a U. <laughs> and we did ask for Jason to be here tonight, but he he couldn't make it tonight. So yeah, and I thought that this is a good, important question. So it was recently it good, sent, but it, it got bumped to the front it, of the line. It, it is a good question. It is a good discussion to have, especially for those in our audience who are looking at preparing. You know, whether it's just a skin or a hack of PBTA, not just, but mm-hmm. something that is based on a a pre-existing IP or just creating an entire world and you want to publish it, these are things that you need to think about when you're giving this to the masses is if you want them to actually be able to read it, be able to pay attention to it, or even if you're not publishing for the entire world, like I've talked about when I was on the podcast before about doing newspapers for my players and I send them out to them and it's, is it legible? It, does it read like a newspaper? You know, and it's like, can, yeah. can they actually read it? Yeah. So And sending out like basic stuff for your game, like I'll send out blurbs or if you're writing recaps or anything you expect your players or, I mean, honestly, this is stuff if you have family members where it's like, oh, hey, instead of writing out a card, you know, some of us have like, like, oh, cards are the best thing. Handwritten cards are the best. Well, no, for them, an e-card might be better because then they can adjust the size of the font. They can copy paste it somewhere else and like read it more clearly. So thinking in terms of how these things are applicable in gaming, but also like everyday life is really important. Yeah. So cool. (laughs) And I am very glad that your partner finds that font helpful. Yes. Literally, dyslexia is one of those things that's so different for each individual person. Like find the thing that works for you and like stick with it. And, yeah. and even those scientific studies have found that this font and, and similar fonts don't necessarily have a huge impact on everyone. They can change the world for one person. Exactly. So find the strategies that work for you. And mm-hmm. that's amazing. And thank you for writing in such a great question. Now, as much hate, last little comment on this, yeah, as no, much no. hate as Comic Sans gets. I love, I, okay, as an elementary school teacher, I use it for everything. Uh, sure. No, no. I'm, I think that's an appropriate use. I'm, and I'm, as a former graphic designer. Yeah. yeah no. And, and it is one of the two most lambasted fonts out there by people who really don't know what the fuck they're talking about. The other one being Papyrus. Oh, Papyrus. Is, right? However, there is a worse font. Comic Papyrus. <gasps> I'm not kidding. It exists. Look it up. And if you want to, like, make your eyeballs bleed. I'm using it for it's everything. Terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, I think it is the Papyrus little indents and everything, like, little bites taken out of the letter, but the Comic Sans. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's hideous. My <laughs> My husband is also a fontophile or whatever you call yourselves. Mm-hmm. I almost bought him a pillow that says, I love you in comics papyrus. I almost, I, oh, I came so close oh. to pulling like I mean, the trigger on that. Like for, I, I think mean, it was for Christmas is like a joke you, gift. Did you, were you looking for a divorce? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, might have been grounds in California. I, it, yeah, it was, it was it was wild. But oh, God. yeah, I, I was I sat there. I was like, oh, that's so funny. And then I'd have to like have this in my house until I felt like okay throwing it away because I had to spend a little bit of money on it. I was like, oh, how funny is this joke? Sometimes it's funny, but not the money. Yeah, <laughs> not worth it. It's funny, but it ain't fifty dollars worth of funny. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, now yeah, this yeah. has to sit on somewhere in my house, so I have to look at it for at least six months to make yeah. it worth it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Mailbag number two. Mailbag number two. Oh, you wanted three, so I I'll read this. Three, one. So okay. Yes. Mailbag number two. 
Hi, Jacks, Jackers, and Jacked. I recently listened to season 31, episode 23, and wanted to comment on the first email discussion. Just for I a didn't recap. get the reading. Yeah. yeah. Okay, just for a recap, <laughs> this was a conversation we had about player consequences and punishments. Mm-hmm. So if players are constantly going into towns and like robbing shops or different things, or they keep coming back to the same place to steal things, like there's a fine line between like, do should you punish players for that? So our, we, our conversation centered around like, what's a punishment and what's a natural consequence of like, if you keep robbing a place, yeah, they're probably going to hire guards or something like that. Is it really like... Is it a punishment if they've robbed like every town and then suddenly you have like the retired level 18 mage who like retired and has a shop now and then they just happen to be breaking into that shop? Like, I feel like, I don't know, that seems sort of like... So anyway, we had a big conversation around that where I was, yes, you should also have like adult conversations was part of that conversation, but also like sometimes you have to have a little bit of teeth as a GM. (laughs) And Rose disagreed. She was like, I don't know, we must have, like, conversations. Like, if you have players doing that at your table, you don't have them. And I was like, but also, maybe a lot of hit points get taken away from them in a circumstance that makes perfect sense in the situation of the world. Oh, I'm going to wrap up some traps here. Yeah, we kind of left it. We agreed on the the concepts. Like, it is an asshole thing to randomly, oh, Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You (laughs) You all die. Five points of wandering damage. Yeah. (laughs) Wandering damage. But we, we, You're welcome, we, Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> we did kind of have a, a little bit of like different opinion on that specific mm. thing. So let's see. <clears throat> I have to say I'm with Kimmy on this. I have absolutely flexed as a GM to punish a player for annoying me. And in those cases, the punishment is the consequence. I would never let those Serengeti herd of black dragons destroy the party. But I will let them know when they cross the line. I also have an issue with the idea of separating player behavior with character behavior. The character is a piece of paper with ink and graphite on it. <laughs> okay. Everyone else comes from the player. Oh, I'm so offended as a writer. <laughs> Work uh, tone refused. Okay, yes. Mm. You can easily play a party-friendly rogue. I've seen a number of obnoxious, abrasive paladins. It all comes from the player. Even in the case of Savage World-like hindrances, bloodthirsty doesn't have to mean that you are Michael Myers. It just depends on how the player wants to express it. However, the punishment that can be worked into the storyline can be used to build a story while still achieving this aim. Here's an example. I'm currently running a Weird War II game with U.S. paratrooper PCs. I clearly stated during Session Zero that I wanted to run a campaign where the heroes were heroes, not murder hobos. We like the term murder tourists because most of the time we we can't. They're not actually traveling yeah, they're, on trains. They're not unhoused. They're not any of these things. They don't things. have big bulbous noses with a spindle on the back. The big bulbous noses. <laughs> well, I'm going to X that conversation. <laughs> specifically, hobos is not a good term to use. And the unhoused aren't to blame. But murder tourists are generally more what people playing games are because they are traveling from place to place. They usually have nice digs or are camping. And they're usually getting paid for whatever murder they're choosing. So murder tourists. Now, one player, player A, decided to take a couple edges. We're playing Savage Worlds. Yeah. I don't think Savage Worlds gets a yeah. But okay. I mean, we're not Woo-hoo! we're not in the other place anymore. Yeah. GURPS doesn't even get uh, that anymore. I mean, I feel like. 
forever. <laughs> that would put them into the bloodthirsty slash ruthless territory. We worked out from the beginning that this would be focused on enemies and that if it went too far, he could be facing court-martial, which no. he has once so far. Jeez. He accepted that as a reasonable consequence of his actions and went along with it without complaint. He ended up being cleared of the charges, but if that went very badly, he could have been executed. As I said, we discussed this in session zero, so it all went very smoothly. Recently, in a session that has been that had been degenerating into goofiness, another character, player B, decided to grapple and capture a German soldier, holding him until the bloodthirsty character arrived. Uh-oh. The latter hasn't gotten to kill anyone in three whole sessions. Then let the prisoner go and told him to run. He got about 100 paces before being gunned down. I felt like this was a whole new level of nasty. I've always post notes before the next session in the group chat. And prior to the following session, I did so again and mentioned this action, stating that both characters took a giant step towards becoming evil NPCs and having to make new characters. Player B is playing a character who communicates with and receives guidance from his dead grandfather. The next session, he tried to contact Gramps, but it was given a vision that basically said his behavior was dishonorable and that he needed to clean up his act before Grandpa would help again. I saw this as an equivalent of a cleric type getting cut off by their deity for bad behavior. He threw a bit of a tantrum, which I expected. I have lettered you about this before and your advice has been helping. <laughs> <laughs> But I let him stew and eventually came around to realize that his character should not have acted. And he eventually came around to and realized that his character should not have acted as he did. Growth. Yeah. I felt this was necessary to nip the goofiness in the butt. Yes, I was being somewhat controlling my players and not allowing that behavior and I did not, that I did not desire for this campaign. However, I was also clear about the campaign I wanted to run from the beginning. And nobody jumped up and said, that's fine, Ken. I'll run a murder hobo campaign instead. I think Kimmy would appreciate the comparison to classroom management. There are consequences <laughs> for unacceptable behavior and rewards for good behavior. And I think with a system like Savage Worlds, Bennies are really handy for that. Yes. Anywho, just some thoughts that occurred to me while listening to this episode. Ken from Canada. P.S. And I didn't even mention spanking. We did talk about spanking a little Thanks, bit. We were talking Ken. about punishment. <laughs> well, what's... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say spanking. Yeah. I have a, a GM friend who proudly states that he rewards creativity and punishes stupidity. <laughs> and his definition of oh, stupidity no. in this sense is includes, it's not limited to, but includes doing things that have natural repercussions. Mm-hmm. If you're in an urban environment that has some form of constabulary and you do something against the laws of that urban environment, expect to get tossed in the pokey, Mm -hmm. which is different than being poked in the tossing. (laughs) Zing! I want to remind everybody that as the GM, you're a player too. Mm -hmm. And if they're stomping on your fun, it is okay to tell them, hey, I'm a player too, and it's important that I have fun, Mm -hmm. not just you guys, you know, and you are ruining my fun by doing this stuff but also yes (laughs) i will i don't like the random group of black dragons who come in and just murder everything yeah rocks fall everyone dies yeah Yeah. but you will face consequences for if you start ripping apart my world yeah Yeah. it's not okay yeah well, and I think I think there's like a line too. Like I in this situation, I almost agree with Rose, who was in the conversation 
And like, if they are just like gunning down like defenseless people, even yeah. if it's someone they've captured, like, I feel like that would be a moment I'd be like, and we're stopping. I'm asking that. I don't want to exactly play that it. game. Yeah. Like there's like this like gray area where it's like, okay, they're like stealing stuff from a shop. Okay. I think that the thing we joked about was the wizard that I mentioned earlier or something yeah. like that, where it's like, or like the guards are suddenly have a wanted poster with your face on it. So now you can't go into any towns. Like there's like yep. a level of kind mm-hmm. of pushing it and being a little bit of an asshole and like, okay, I wanted a friendly campaign. You're not really acting like a bunch of here. And then there's like, flat out murder like this where i don't know i feel like there's every gm needs to be clear on where their lines are yeah. and mm. then also not be afraid to call on it like it is okay to x things as a gm oh yeah like you build the world but also like you're allowed to be like hey i talked about this at the beginning in session zero like i said that i wanted this type of campaign if you're not cool with that anymore we can stop but i feel like yes there are moments where being a little bit having teeth as a gm a little bit that's appropriate and there's also times where it's like fuck that we're we're talking about this out of character because yeah this is not okay yeah my current players in the game i'm currently running they were given one of them was given a request not an assignment a request go and kill this guy Mm -hmm. and they were headed in the direction of the city that this guy was in anyway so she just didn't mention it Mm. until they got to the city and she's like i need to go do a thing and somebody else in the party jokingly asked what do you need to kill somebody and she just went and then there was two sessions (laughs) of discussion amongst the players about why do you need to kill this guy what has he done why are you doing but this? But in character. Right? In character. Okay. It was absolutely in character. Well, it was it was half okay. in, half out. But it was it was mostly in character. And then it was like, all right. They went, they found the guy. And like right as they were about to find him, they discovered that he was possessed by an evil dream spirit. And it was like, one of the other guys in the car was like, oh no, this motherfucker needs to die right now. <laughs> <laughs> but as soon as they finished the deed... Mm-hmm. They're like, and now we're leaving town. Yeah. Because he's going to be found and we need to not be here. <laughs> so they anticipated that there might be consequences and they left. And I'm like, okay, yeah, no, that, that is the antithesis, I guess, of the we can just do whatever the fuck we want is no, no, we realize that there are repercussions. <laughs> and I will stop them and say, like, you are free to go down this road. If it's something that I'm not going to X, like you're free to go down this road, but I'm going to warn you Mm -hmm. the consequences for this. Mm -hmm. You're not just going to wander freely just because you're a PC. This is not a video game. Yeah. There will be consequences. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Well, And and, and they also knew that this particular guy was not only a businessman in the, in the city and a well-respected member of the community and everything like that. So there would probably be the local constabulary. He was also a made man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, get out. He, he was he was a member of the mafia, so it was like, well, oh shit! Now we have the cops and the mobsters looking for us. Shit. Well, and the difference with that situation is that was a thing you gave them. Mm-hmm. It was, but that they was could a, have said no, right? But that's different, I think, in a lot of ways than players just starting like to murder random NPCs yeah. and like yeah. it's like if you throw them that coin and then punish them for doing that no, 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 that's no, no. that yeah, would that, be a dick move on my part yeah that would be yeah. wrong now yeah. and, like throwing them that and making it clear like hey if you choose to do this there will be consequences mm-hmm. that i mean and they obviously figured that out and they like definitely baked that into their thought yeah 
I feel like this is a little different than players kind of going off and... Like hijacking the game. And, and breaking things. Yeah, it, but, it's but, like... I mean, having one guy hold somebody down while the other guy murders him, that's definitely going to get a, all right, we're I mean, stopping. Yeah, yeah I, I mean... I, can, I mean, depending I mean, on the game. like and especially, I, I can understand... Yeah. I can understand in this particular instance, there is one mitigating factor that I can think of. Mm-hmm. This is a weird War II game, and the target was a German soldier. Punch all Nazis. That, well, that's a, the mindset that we talk about out of game all the time. And it's the, it's like, no, no, just effing kill the Nazis kind of thing. They're, they're like zombies. We can kill them without, without any kind of, of moral question, except they are, these soldiers are still people. Yeah. So, but I, and I think and the, there are rules of engagement and you are possibly facing court martial and things like that. Well, and. Outside of all of that, like, yeah. yes, punch Nazis, but, like, when they sat down at Session Zero, yes. the yes. GM laid out what yes. they were comfortable with. And even if he hadn't, it's okay for the GM to be faced with something he could not have anticipated right. and say, hey, guys, I just kind of realized I'm not okay with what's going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, the same as any other player. Absolutely. Yeah. X card, absolutely. But specifically the fact that the GM made it super clear mm-hmm. and then they kind of went, against that anyway it seems like they've been pushing that line for multiple sessions yeah it's it's like my fucking two-year-old i love her but like don't touch that and then she like reaches over and like i'm not touching it and she's like like uh-huh. just she's I'm like touching you yeah it, it, exactly what it is you. or if you're I'm like touching you yeah you it, touch me <laughs> i did don't don't hit that and then she'll be like okay i'm just touching it and she's just like, she pushes and sees uh-huh. that line. It feels because like... Because they need to know where the boundaries are. Yeah. And, and sometimes players are like two-year-olds. 100%. <laughs> and you need to show them where the boundaries yeah. are. Yeah. And so it feels like, okay, the very clear boundaries. Okay, I'm I, just I, touching the thing you told me not to hit. Is I'm, that okay? I'm reminded of, of Christopher Titus, who's he's going to put a penny in a light socket. It's like, you know, no, no, wait. <laughs> it's only going to do it room, didn't it? You're not going to do that again, are you? <laughs> Yeah, not gonna do that. <laughs> no, no, not that either. No. That also sounds like a bad idea. Yeah, also, also I, bad. I, I, I know. I'm just but yeah, it feels like the GM laid out very clearly where their boundary yeah. was, and the players have been like, "Oh, oh, oops, I, oops, I pushed it," and they're just trying to slowly push it until it's like it's not okay. And especially when it's that blatant, and then it's something that is this violent, like yes, fucking punch Nazis, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if from the beginning we're like, hey, I don't want this being that kind of game. Yeah, yeah. and that's it. Does yeah important to talk about character buy-in on that session zero. Or actually, I like to do it in, hey, I'm thinking about putting a game together and here's what I'm thinking. And sure. I actually have a little section, as we were talking about before, bolted, character buy-in, and then yeah. underneath that, mm-hmm. indented what I want from the game, like the, the game... Like I do a Musketeers game on Wednesday nights. And the whole buy-in for that was your soldiers, your King's Musketeers, and you're all, you all know each other. And, and, but this is going to be heroic. One for all. Mm-hmm, heroic game with swinging from chandeliers and stuff. Yeah. Excellent. And they all got the memo. It's yeah. pretty good. I mean, it good. does get into actual penological, sociological, philosophical concept of the difference between mob mentality and and justice. Mm-hmm. If you capture somebody and then bring him to justice, that's one aspect of it. But if mob mentality takes over and and you capture him and kill him on the spot, is that justifiable? Mm-hmm. And that's not something I want to start a debate on here and now. I'm just yeah. sort of 
But the, it does get, it's one of the things about gaming that is awesome that we get to explore these kinds of concepts in a safe space, in a safe environment where these, these theoreticals can be explored in where the stakes could not possibly be lower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, like that's a situation that, I mean, ideally, at least in games I run, you'd never get to that point without knowing whether you could explore it. Sure. Because that should absolutely, it's on the Lines and Veils mm -hmm. document that I use and the ones we made for Happy Jacks. Mm -hmm. But like execution is on there. Yeah. So it could be something where if they capture a Nazi, they're allowed to execute them. But maybe, tor but torture is another thing that's there. So, okay, no, I'm not okay with torture. Right. So having them run and like chasing, and like shooting in the back, that could be, that's it's true. Yeah, so that's absolutely, maybe that's a line. So you can't mm -hmm. do torture, but if you do, okay, we're going to execute him. Like, and this is, especially when you're doing something like World, like World War II and, all, and just games of that nature, you should absolutely make sure from the beginning, you kind of talk this stuff out or at yeah. least have a document there where everyone's clear on what they can and can't do. Yeah. Mm. And it's one of the reasons I will never run a World War II game, actually. Yeah, I mean, I've run a World War I game, mm -hmm. and I've played in a game that happened just prior to World War II, but I'm, I will never run a World War II game. I'm not comfortable broaching those subjects yeah, because it's just, yeah, no. Yeah, and it, for a lot. Also, of I'm way too German. <laughs> <laughs> genetically, genetically, yeah, genetically. genetically. Yeah. My, my German family came over in the 1900s. Do I need to punch you? Is that how German you are? <laughs> no, 1909. They got here. They, oh, okay. The Kaiser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's another thing. Like, like yes, there's times where you can do like, Ten in cheek punishment. Like, if there's things that need like actual conversations, like, wow, I'm really uncomfortable and I don't want to play this anymore, mm -hmm. that's a much bigger level of things. Yeah. And yeah, don't ever try and play games like this without doing some sort of lines and veils. Oh, God, no. Because yeah. it's just. And also check ins after the fact. 100%. Yeah, it seems like they do notes each time. I don't. It looks like it, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't at least know. The GM does. Yeah, I, don't, I can't tell from the description if that's like Stars and Wishes or Roses and Thorns or all those different ones where it's like, ways of giving feedback or if you're just like doing an individual check-in with each person or if you're just like hey that sucks i didn't have fun or good job everyone see you next wednesday like yeah i must have see you next tuesday and i was like abort abort my game, my game is actually on tuesday yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my game's on wednesday so it was relevant to me yeah. there you go <laughs> yes all right cool. yeah and thank you for agreeing with me <laughs> i agree with me a lot but also your example is a lot more heavy duty than the ones we came up with when we were talking about and it concrete discussion. and concrete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ours were like hypotheticals. Like yeah. if I made this up and yeah. 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 yeah All right. Absolutely. So thank you for writing in. We appreciate you, Ken. Thank you. Email number three. All right. This is an older one. Yeah. I can tell just by the salutation. Oh yeah. Yeah. You have to sit back just a little bit while you're reading. Hey, Stu and crew. Yeah. This is an older email. It's an older yeah. email. Longtime listener, first time writer to the show. You were talking about Shadowrun on some recent podcasts. It's a very old email. It's a really old email. <laughs> now to be here, Jason does bring up Shadowrun quite often because that was like his first system that cool. he ran yeah. a lot. So it, it, Shadowrun it, is to Jason as Vampire is to me. Exactly. Gotcha. You were talking about Shadowrun on some recent podcasts, and I wanted to share a con story with you as well as a horror story at my own table. And one bit of advice on how I keep the element of surprise for my players. Ooh, that's always good. Mm. Well, we had the ultimate Shadowrun session. Those are very good. good, good, good those are good voices. I'm surprised. I'm mean, not surprised, but like I've never heard that voice from you. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 
Yeah, exactly. Wow. It, it helps when you're a base. Yeah. <laughs> I was at Gen Con and I was playing a game of Shadowrun with my oldest son and a friend from my home table. We were tasked with getting into a lab and recovering a MacGuffin. We planned, I know. <laughs> we planned the job by casing multiple employees and gaining access to their uniforms and IDs. We then proceeded to walk in while cleaning the lab and were able to initiate our heist. Halfway through, the GM was getting upset we had gotten so far without firing a single shot. <laughs> so we had another group of runners break in shooting up the place. When this happened, we grabbed the MacGuffin and ran right up to the incoming security team, screaming in a panic. Since we looked like we belonged and were running from the runners that were shooting up the place, the security <laughs> guards actually kept us safe and escorted us out of the building. That's very smart. Brilliant. That is super smart. Brilliant move on your part. As we were escaping, the GM was incredulous and asked if we were going to help the other runners that were getting shot at. To which we replied, hell no. And they, they are our way out. He didn't understand why we would team up with them. Yeah, I think okay. it probably should have been we why would we, why we wouldn't team up with them. No, why it, you, well, they teamed up with them and now they're abandoning them. Oh, he didn't understand why we would team up with them. And in turn, we didn't understand how he could think we would risk our mission for a group of strangers that very likely wanted the very thing that we already had. I am usually the GM and like it that way, but during one of my infrequent breaks, one of my players stepped up and offered to run a D&D game. Yeah, I know. D&D. Now, this is obviously old because it's back from the days of when Happy Jacks was lambasting, lampooning D&D regularly, honestly. <laughs> Have we stopped? I haven't gotten the memo. Did we stop doing that? I don't know. I, oh, yeah, no. I've been running D&D now for three years. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, some of us feel more strongly about it than others. Yep. Don't look at my Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> if you like D&D. I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Anyway, so that, uh, first of all, I just want to comment on the brilliance of your <laughs> leverage-esque escape yes. Yes. from well, this well shadow done. run. This, well done. Well, well done. Yes. Well done. Anyway, one of my players stepped up and offered to run a D&D game. We were in a dungeon crawl, and there were mysteries that we couldn't figure out. The last encounter at the end of the night was a pool of water. One of the characters entered the water and was standing five feet away from the shore. I asked the GM how deep the water is, and he said I would have to go into the water. I responded, but the bard is in the water. He responded, right, but you aren't sure how deep it is. So I said, I look at the bard. How deep is the water? <laughs> Like, if I know how tall the bard is, and I know where the water level is on the bard's body, I should be able to determine how deep the water is. At least where he's standing. Mm -hmm. Like, he, like mm -hmm. maybe he knows where the rocks are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's on a sandbar. Yeah, how deep is the water? He said, you don't know. I was getting really frustrated to the point I remember slamming my hand down on the table and ending the session. Talking to the guy that was playing the bard the next day and his teenage kid overheard and asked, couldn't you just look at how high the water was on my dad who was in the water? <laughs> Which was my point all along. <laughs> I ended up kicking the GM out of the group for a while. Wow, that might have been a slightly extreme reaction, but I've calmed down in my old age and he is back in the group and now we can joke about it and he admits now he didn't understand what we were asking. Okay, a miscommunication. Yeah. yeah. A, a, a conversation, an adult conversation was had. Eventually. Water 
flowed over the bridge or under the dam or wherever it is that water goes. Yeah. And everything's fine. Yeah. yeah, good. Like you guys have said multiple times, it's often the failures that invoke the greatest memories. That was our sorcerer going down the hall moment that we can all laugh about now. <laughs> oh, stork. <laughs> were you in that game? No, no I, I was living in were. San Diego at the you time. Were in that game, right? Yeah, I was in that game. Yeah. No, that was a that was a long combat. Well, tired just hearing about it. <laughs> Let's move on then. Yeah. We started in person and moved to Roll Twenty during the beginning of the pandemic. In Roll Twenty, I would set up characters as as languages, so there would be a character called Goblin. Anyone that speaks Goblin gets to control that character. What this does is lets me whisper to Goblin, and anyone that speaks it gets the information without saying it out loud. Okay, that's a functionality within Roll Twenty. Okay, all right. It works so well that we have incorporated it into our in-person games using channels in Discord. I have a channel for each language, and anyone that speaks it gets added to the channel. So now when the goblin starts speaking, I can just type what they are saying there, and the two players that speak goblin get to know what was said, and it is on them to inform the other players instead of just saying it and having people not play off of it. I think that's effing brilliant. That is great. That is a really good use of... Technological tools. Technological tools available to you, both in Roll20 and Discord, which I don't understand. But, and yet I have to use it for game I <laughs> play in every other Friday. Yeah. I still don't understand it. I'm getting old in my old age, and I don't understand some technological tools. Keep up the great work. I love listening to your podcast, Matt. Panic 5 on most places on the interwebs. Thank you, Matt. That was cool. I'm glad that your horror story worked out in the end. That was actually a really good suggestion. I really like that suggestion. Yeah. I, I don't like, know that I can implement it in my game, but I will look for ways to do it otherwise. Yeah. I also like can't blame that person who's like DMing. And like, if you didn't say, I look and see, like sometimes in that moment, you're thinking of so many things. Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, I look at the bard. How deep is the water? He's like, I just told you you don't know. Like he didn't quite like grok like two, exactly what he, you were meant. He didn't get put two and two together. Yeah. And get five. And yeah. and you didn't sit there and explain at least from the story. Like, well, I know the bard is five seven. Right. And how much of like water is up to his waist? Yeah. If if you'd specified that, then the the DM yeah. probably would have been like, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it, in that moment, it, it does remind me of an old joke. Okay. Should I, should I, not? I don't know. I don't. Give know. me looks very worried. <laughs> So Jesus, St. Peter, and St. Paul are in a boat on, on the lake. Okay. All right. So far, so good. They're fishing. All right. Uh-huh. Like you do. And Jesus. Jesus says, oh, we need more bait. I'm going to go back and get it. And it's like, well, you, we need to row. And they're like, no, no, no. No, it's fine. And Jesus gets out of the boat and walks across the water and gets the bait and walks back to the boat. Okay. That was, but it's Jesus. Yeah. And then St. Peter says, oh, we're out of wine. I'll go back and get some more wine. And St. Paul says, what? This is like. It's okay. And St. Peter gets out of the boat and he walks across the water and gets more wine and comes back. And Paul is so finally after a little bit, Paul says, yeah, no, we're running low on food. I'll I'll go back to shore and get it. And St. Paul gets out of the boat and sinks straight to the bottom of the lake. Mm. And Peter says to Jesus, you think maybe we should have told him where the rocks are? (laughs) (laughs) I do want to tell like a a small anecdote. So the first game I ever GM'd, it was D&D. And I was running a game at Stu's house for a couple Happy Jacks people. I was like, okay. I remember hearing about this game. Yes. So I was like very proud of this concept of like this 
like small island nation mm-hmm. that was like in the middle of nowhere. And I didn't really like do too much research because like the, the adventure was not about getting there. It's like, okay, you're there. And then the adventure was like there. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting there and like Bruce is playing and Stu's playing and like all these people are playing and they're like, okay, so how long does it take us to get there? I'm like, oh, like six weeks on the boat. And they're like, suddenly like all this copious amount of knowledge of sailing comes out (laughs) from these people and they start asking me questions. Well, how far would it be from this place? And this, and what types of ships? So how long, six weeks on the boat. And I was just like, it's fucking six weeks from everywhere, okay? Wherever you leave from and whatever boat you're in, it's six weeks from there or whatever hypothetical amount of time would be like just enough for people not to always want to go there. But it's like the perfect stopping point between there and everywhere else. Kimmy's like, I'm a horse girl, not a sailboat girl. Yeah, I was yeah. like, <laughs> what? No, just get to the fucking islands. <laughs> like, it was like the moment of like brand new DM, super ready, like right, my, uh-huh, my yeah. shiny new adventure and that I- hadn't learned, this is where I hand wave this. Yeah, well, I did. I, I just hand waved it in my brain and it didn't yeah. occur to me. They'd even like care. Yeah, I was uh-huh. like, you go to this place. There is a very <laughs> odd thing that happens when- <laughs> PCs start traveling, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there. They will want to get there in the shortest way possible, always, for no fucking reason. (laughs) Oh, I have done so much prep Mm. figuring out how the various means of transportation, because the game I've been running for the last three years, Mm -hmm. two games, has been in Eberron. And there are lots of ways of getting from point A to point B in Eberron. So I have like Excel calculators to figure out, okay, if you take a horse, Whoa. it's this long. If you walk, it's this long. If you take a an enchanted carriage, it's this long. If you take the lightning rail, it's this long. If you take an elemental galleon, it's this long. And it costs this much for each one. And, and they're like, fuck it, we'll walk. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> that is so much I'm just gonna say. I'm just going to say... I have great players. You do. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, um, I have a really great horror story of a Adventure gone wrong. This was actually the adventure that broke up one of my best groups in the oh, 90s. No. Yeah, like oh. one of my best groups of all time. We oh. played together for like four or five years. And there was a certain person in the group who kind of liked to bully his way through things. And one of the other guys was like, I want to play. I want to do a game where we all play ourselves. So everybody make yourselves. Oh, Danger, listener. Danger. 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 <laughs> yeah. um, There's a meme going around right now. What what D&D class energy do I give off? Yeah. Everybody's suggesting it. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, I so basically what happens is, is he sets the first adventure. We're playing on our usual night. He goes to get like a drink or something like that. We see some monster grab him, run off down the hallway, and then like jumps through this portal that's open. We have to like arm ourselves really quickly. Now we were at my buddy Mike's house and he was a former cop. So he had guns all over the place. And we're like, Mike, where are your guns? He's like, I'm not telling you. Like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, so, wait, was this a tabletop or a lark? This is a tabletop. And so 
our characters like run around. I like grab a knife from the kitchen so and this, all this stuff. So they are they are playing like they, themselves. Yes. Play, okay, now I understand now. They're playing yeah. themselves in the house they're in. Gotcha. But, there we so go. They're not actually grabbing real guns. They're running around in their imaginary. I'm yeah. Really, thank really you glad for to find out that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you thank for. You. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It took, yeah. It took me a moment too. I was like, okay, I was raised by rednecks, and I know just handing out guns to people at an RPG is not a good. No, idea. no, 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 no. There are no guns involved in this RPG okay. in our real people's hands. Good. So our yeah, are characters, cool. who are also us, <laughs> right, <laughs> run as fast as we can, get all of like the stuff that we might want to use from the house, uh-huh. jump through this portal. There's tracks leading away, sure. and one of the guys gets it just stuck in his head that like, oh, well, that monster didn't have time to run this far, so time must be inconsistent between these dimensions that we're hopping. And oh, so... Yeah. We have this like console in this other dimension, like the thing closes behind us and we have this console and we have to like figure out how to work it to get from point A to point B and all this stuff. We spend two full sessions with one guy bullying us all into holding hands, walking through a portal, coming back and trying another one and seeing if like there's a time difference and stuff like that. And I had already kind of had it with this guy. So we... At the end of this, oh. I completely lose it. Because at this point, I'm like taking time away from this is my like now ex-wife. Hours and hours of your actual life that yeah. you'll never get back. Like I had to clear this Saturday. Yeah. You know, when I could have been off like spending time and like to drive all the way down to Huntington Beach from Pasadena. Ooh. And yeah, and like spend that's a, that's six like hours here. That, that is it. That yeah. That is doing it. Just fucking holding hands? No. And so I like, (laughs) at some point, I'm like, I just, I don't hold hands with anybody. I jump through and I just go. When when you (laughs) are playing yourself and your friend is playing themselves and you decide to stab them, that is very much it's gonna take the he, end of he, the friendship. He, he might take that personally. Yeah. 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 That, that, that uh, but at that point, I was so frustrated. I just I, didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, there's so many it's things. Like, I want to play the game. Let's. Can we please just play the game? Yeah. This is what my character would do. No. Oh. Which means I don't want to know you anymore. Yeah, your character <laughs> is an asshole. That, <laughs> and, your play, and your character is you. Which yeah. Means, that's why that's such a bad idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. One, playing yourself, you have to like deal with your feelings in a way that's yeah. like gross and like hard to do and like is more therapy. Like, it's fun if you're like, okay, you started yourselves and then you like teleport or something and you're magically as and your other people or whatever. It's like, like yeah. it's very different. But like, and also like you get into those moments where it's like suddenly like just what you're saying. That's what my character would do. Well, you're being a fucking asshole. So then suddenly you, it, it becomes impossible to not let that rub off on your feelings about that person because they're being them. Yeah. It, it's a legitimate problem in LARP mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. most people's first LARP character is not that much different from who they are. Yeah. Right? They're, they're second, third, fourth. They've learned it. They've learned the ropes. They figured it out and they can create a character that is not them. Yeah. But yeah. their first character is basically them. Somebody Good. mentioned that with just regular TTRPGs too, and I True, but but and I like turned and looked at all the guys I was playing with, and I was like, "Holy shit!" But there's a, there's a degree of separation in tabletop that does not exist in LARP. Yeah. yeah, and if I'm going to get up in your face in LARP and just chew you out, I better check in with you at the end of that session to make sure that 
I, Kurt, have not offended, have not pissed off you, Engie, for what Bob the Destroyer did to Conan the Librarian, right? Because you have that kind of look right now, is Conan the Librarian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. So, it, it... it is a serious, it's a serious thing. And I do not recommend anybody ever play or run a game where you, a tabletop game, especially in a LARP where you play yourself. That is just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, is, it is kind of like playing the board game Diplomacy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You either play it with your best friends in the world or people you will never see again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on the other side of that, my current Wednesday night group is some of the most amazing role-playing we've ever done. And I was saying before we started rolling that they actually had the adventuring party split and the gaming group solidified even harder. That's Mm. awesome. Yeah, like it was the most amazing because it was all character choices. Yeah. Yeah. And like it was one of those nights where when the game is over, everyone's checking in with each other and, you, and every, it was just like the most loving, yeah. like cool night and was like, I can't believe we that just happened. That yeah. was amazing. We're good. Like, okay, yeah, totally that's, fine. That's really cool. Yeah, and that group has just been better ever since and that was at least like a year and a half ago. Wish we'd been recording that game. Yeah, it, there are times when I wish I was recording the game and then I realized, oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I record that I game now, evidence. but just for us. I don't want evidence of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the double shorts of like those minutes, like, those moments. You just feel like that's the most beautiful, magical thing that will ever happen. And you go back and watch it like, oh, oh. I mean, it was OK, but like it was in so the much, moment. In the moment. It was great when we were in the game. And yeah. everyone was feeling it. Mm-hmm. And then but like just watching it later, like that just that doesn't hit the same. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. there's the other thing. All right. Yeah. So I think we're it. Are we, are we good? Are we wrapping it up? There, was there a question or are we not dealing with that question? There were, oh, that was just a horror story. Thing. I mean, no, was no, there a question? Uh, no, I meant. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, gotcha. Okay. Thank you for joining us for season 32, episode number four of Woo! the Happy Jacks RPG podcast. I remember, episode, I remember session or season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode zero. Literally like 13, 14 years ago, like almost 15 years ago now. 14 years ago. Yeah. yeah. We are old on the internet, friends. That's right. true. <laughs> Please support our amazing indie designer of the month, <laughs> Jessica Marker. Just like we're six years older than Critical Role. <laughs> we're like their older brother. Yeah. I mean, Mercer was on the show. Like, I remember before, and he was sort. Of, and afterwards, he was kind of like talking about being of this like show where it's like a TV show because like streaming was the only thing. Yeah. And like where people are playing D and D, and we were yeah. like, oh, that's a terrible. That'll never work. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember Stu going. Nobody wants to watch actual plays. Oh, like, <laughs> I, I remember Stork's comment about there's. It's the difference between having sex and watching sex, and everybody calling Stork. That's called porn. Yeah. And there's quite a market for it. <laughs> and that's all. Okay. okay we got to wrap up. All right, all right. All right. All right. Fine. This is why we also have day jobs. All right. And uh, <laughs> please support our amazing indie designer of the month, Jessica Markram. You can find her at angrynerdgirl.itch.io. Um, you should check out her game, Oops, All Draculas, which we talked about earlier. Thank you to our chat, chat mod, James B, and to our amazing patrons who keep us ad-free and independence. You can, join in, you can join their amazing ranks at happyjacks.org slash Patreon. My name is Kimmy. My name is Kurt. And I'm Ingi. And will you tell us about the song that we're leaving when, them with? Right. so in solidarity with the Writers Guild and our friend Ingi here, the, the song that's going to be played here is a song that was written by 
the leader of my band, Kevin Connors, wrote this. It's called uh, Wake Up Hole Again. And what's the name of your band? The band is called Sportive Tricks, and we are playing tomorrow. We have a gig tomorrow in Claremont. Oh. Where we're supposed to dress up like pirates and sing nautical, like sea shanty kind of songs. And maybe we probably will do a few of those at the, what hey. is it called? It's called the, it's the, the packing house in Claremont. Oh, cool. So oh. relevant to my interests. Right. I'd yeah. like to subscribe to your newsletter. Exciting. We might actually have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. So yeah, please enjoy this amazing song by Sportive Tricks, and we will see you all next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Factory closed down years ago, windows shuttered and dark. Gangs occupy the playgrounds, shooting up the park. Don't seem to be no work for me, no matter how I try. My wife's hustling tables, struggling to get by. I bought the dream of working hard, played straight to get ahead. Now my dreams mock me, my nights are filled with dread. So I count the cost and cut the loss, try to pay my way. I wake up every morning, try to make it through the day. Don't wanna live in fear, don't wanna live in pain Hiding in darkness, afraid to speak my name Stand as my witness, I will not live in shame Though I lie down broken, I will wake up whole again Time to Corners, 
covering up their eyes. Deprive us, divide us, turn friend into foe. Days go dark and weary as bitter winds do blow. Don't let the shadows drag you down or surrender to dismay. Kneel beside our brothers, hear what our sisters say. Raise your voices with me, don't go silent in the night. I will not curse the darkness, I'd rather be the light. Don't want to live in fear, don't want to live in pain. Hiding in darkness, afraid to speak my name. Stand as my witness, I will not live in shame. Though I This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song is played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.